welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Last time I was up here, we started talking about Romans, uh, and we're going to stick to Romans, right? So last time we talked about chapters 1 through 4 and justification, which is the first step of our journey to salvation, right? Uh, Justification is driven by our faith in God, not just mental assent, but a faith that obeys and trusts God, because just like the song said, he is worthy of it all. Our main verse for Romans is 1, 16 and 17. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So today we're going to focus on sanctification. It's kind of a big word, sanctification. Uh, Romans 5 through 8 has a lot to do with sanctification. That's where we'll hang out. Um, And it has to do with how the just shall live. Justification occurs during our new birth experience when we're just becoming Christians. So sanctification is all about after that. And how we should live now that we are Christians. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to be here with like-minded believers, Lord. Thank you for what we feel in this place. Thank you for always showing up for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Got a drink now because I'll forget to later. So, as some of you know, school has started back, and I am in my ninth year as a teacher. Ninth year. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever done anything this long. So, nine years. Uh, so, this is a crazy week. This is the fourth day of school. I teach math in fourth grade. We got new math curriculum. So my brain is frazzled, all right? My wife's also making me go to the gym, so my body is frazzled. My feet hurt. Uh, So if some of this stuff is confusing, you're going to have to ask me about it afterwards, and I'll clear it up for you. But I'm pretty sure we're following in a path. We'll find out. Uh, In Romans 5 is where we'll start off. Paul transitions the reader's. He starts going from justification into sanctification. Uh, And we know that we are justified by our faith because that's what the scripture says. We're also justified through the blood of Jesus. Justification puts us back in the right standing or back in a correct relationship with God. Being in a relationship with God and having his spirit living inside of us is a really cool thing all by itself, right? most powerful being in the universe is with you. Sounds really cool, right? 
But just like everything else with God, it's not just that. You get the extras. You get the perks. You get all the fun things that you didn't expect to happen. Acts 1 and 8 tells us that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. John 14, 26 tells us that by the, Ho the Holy Ghost will comfort us and it will teach us. Galatians 5 teaches us all about these fruits of the Spirit that we can have and use in our lives. Receiving the Holy Ghost is about so much more than just speaking in tongues. Amen? It's also about more than just having a good church life. God has set us up for all kinds of things. In Romans 5, Paul talks about another three blessings that we get just by being justified. And those three are peace, joy, and hope. So that first blessing is peace. Romans 5.1, and most of my scriptures are going to be in the ESV translation, says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we were justified, we were in sin, right? We're separated from God. Some of us might even have been his enemy. But once we've experienced justification, that's no longer the case. We're now able to enter into a relationship with God. Just like Abraham in James 2.23, uh, the scripture says, Abraham believed God and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God, and we can now be friends of God and have peace with him because we've been justified. Joy is that second blessing Paul says that we receive through justification. Romans 5, 2 through 4 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And verse 4 says, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We rejoice means that we have joy. We can have joy in the glory of God and our ability to stand in the glory of God, right? We can also have joy in the suffering that we experience. The early, early church even rejoiced through suffering just as we should. Okay, 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5 says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Now, to me, that does not sound like a good time. Okay? If other people notice that you're suffering, it's probably really bad, right? So although this sounds like something that's weird to have joy about, we don't have joy because it's a cool thing to go through hard times or we like to prove how tough we are. Uh, we have joy because what the suffering produces in us. Suffering leads to endurance, and endurance leads to character, good character specifically. And because of the character we have, we can have hope. But not hope in anything, not hope in this world, 
or things like the government or our own abilities, but we have hope in the future reward and our future glory, right? Hope is that third blessing Paul talks about, Romans 5, 5, says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Knowing that we are in a relationship with God and that his love is more than just that cute bumper sticker love uh, gives us hope. Not hope in ourselves, not hope in this world, but hope in God. We have hope in heaven and we have hope that all this that we go through will have been worth it when we finally see Jesus face to face. It will all be worth it then. All of that peace, joy, and love is possible because of God's grace and love for us and our faith in him. Justification is our new birth. It is just the beginning of our salvation journey, though. Salvation isn't a one-time experience with God where we speak in tongues uh, and we're done. We go home, pack it up, mail it in the rest of the time. David Bernard says salvation is a lifelong process consisting of progressive sanctification until we reach that ultimate glorification. So what is sanctification? I'm glad you all asked. If justification and the first few chapters of Romans describe how to become a Christian, sanctification is how to be a Christian. How a Christian should live and act. To be sanctified means to be separated from sin and dedicated to God. The Greek word that Paul uses is also sometimes translated as holiness in the King James Version. So sanctification and holiness are very much linked. David Bernard, who I probably am going to quote a few more dozen times, gives a two-part definition of sanctification. The first is the state of being separated from sin while also being dedicated to God because you can hide off in your house and have your groceries delivered to you and be separated from sin and still not be dedicated to God, right? You can still avoid sin but not live for God. And the second part of the definition is the process of becoming progressively more holy. So we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 523 and it says may God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ being a Christian means we can't stop at our new birth we don't just like I said we can't get the Holy Ghost and coast on into heaven okay I think my mom is the one who quotes this, I'm not sure, but unless you get hit by a car right after you get the Holy Ghost, you got a lot of living left to do, right? After justification, we are in this personal relationship with God, and you can't be in a relationship, a relationship with someone and just coast on through and mail it in. With God, we have to keep trusting and we have to keep obeying Him. That also means that we have to leave the life of sin behind so nothing gets in between us and God. Amen. And that way we can get closer and closer to him every day. Paul addresses the issue of whether we can live the same way we did before justification 
in Romans 6. Since we've experienced this new birth and we have entered into a relationship with God and he gives us grace and mercy and he forgives us, it should be okay for us to sin every once in a while, right? We can get away with a few things, right? God loves us. He's going to forgive us. He gives us all this unlimited grace and mercy, right? But in Romans 6, 2, it says, by no means, how can we who died to to sin still live in it? When we were born again, we died to our old life and we died to sin. Since we're dead to sin, it should no longer have control over us. And we should be actively avoiding it, which sounds simple enough, right? Paul uses chapter 6 to offer a three-step guide to living a life of overcoming sin. Step one, you need to know. Step two, you need to reckon. And step three, you need to present. So first, we have to know about ourselves some things, and that thing is that we've been justified, right? Romans 6, 3 through 10 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism in death, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives he lives to God. When we, re- when we have repented and been baptized in Jesus' name, we are now dead to our old self and our old lifestyle. We don't get baptized as a fun, optional extra in the plan of salvation. Okay, Every part of baptism is significant, and we have to know that it's significant, and we should be able to tell people why it's significant, right? Verse 3 says that we are baptized into Christ, and that is why we baptize in Jesus' name, right? Because we are baptized into Christ. It's not so we can be different or countercultural. It's so that we can be baptized into Christ, like Paul saying in the scripture. When we're baptized into Christ, we become a part of the body of Christ. Verse 4 says that we are buried with God by baptism. And that's why we go full submersion, your whole body, all of your hairs, your fingernails, everything's got to go under that water, right? Because we're buried like God was buried because we've died to our old self and died to sin. Just like we identify with Jesus in death and burial, verse 5 says that we also identify with him in his resurrection. When we receive God's spirit dwelling in us, Evidenced by speaking in other tongues, we become a new creature with God's power inside of us to overcome all things. 
So why is all that important to know that so that we can overcome sin? We need to know that through this process of justification and new birth, we are now dead to sin, right? It can't control us. And when we do need help overcoming sin in the future, we now have a God dwelling in us that is capable of helping us get through it. The second step from Romans 6 to leading a life that overcomes sin is to reckon. Romans 6, 11, and 12. Uh, and this is my one KJV verse because reckon is translated a different word in another verse. So, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you sh ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So the first step is we got to know that we're dead to sin, right? And that we have the power of God dwelling in us. So step two is that we have to have a plan to act on the things that we know. Since we know that we have died to sin and that we have power we didn't have previously, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to keep sinning? Are you going to do your best to flee from it? We have a responsibility to live a life of holiness. But we can't just be holy by accident. We have to make the decision and choose to be holy. The third step from Romans 6 is to yield in the King James Version or to present ourselves in the ESV Version. We're yielding to God or presenting ourselves to God. Romans 6, 13, 14 says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. We present or yield ourselves to God by being obedient to the leading of the Spirit. We're obedient to God's word, and we're also obedient to our godly leadership. Like James 1 says, we need to be doers and not just hearers. Romans 6, 17, 18 says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Everyone is going to serve a master, right? And we have to choose who that master will be. We're either going to be slaves to the sin or we're going to be slaves to righteousness. If we choose to be Christians, we should be serving God and therefore no longer slaves to sin. Part of being sanctified means not living in sin. And there should be evidence in our lives that we are living a sanctified life because we should be making better, less sinful choices. In Romans 7, Paul emphasizes that just how we are no longer bound by sin, we are also no longer bound by the law. Romans 7, 7 says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
The law of Moses showed us the existence of sin. It showed us the power that sin has, and it showed us the results of sin. The problem with the law is that it was unable to conquer sin. Uh, and it, it was unable to help our flesh conquer sin on its own. That is why we have to have God's spirit living in us. Just like being free from sin doesn't mean we get to sin, being free from the law doesn't mean we get to sin either, right? The law failed because of our human error. Romans 7, 18, 19. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. We are incapable on our own of beating our own sin. We can't beat sin by ourselves, and we can't beat sin with the law. Paul uses Romans 7 to remind us that we are unable to conquer sin on our own, and that the law was inadequate of helping us too. Which leads to Romans 8, where Paul shows us that we can overcome sin and live the sanctified life only through the power of God. By walking after the spirit and not after the flesh, we can overcome sin, right? Romans 8, 1 through 4, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you are in Christ, which means believing, living, and obeying Him, you are under no condemnation. Which means our record is clean and we've been set free from sin and the law and anything else that would hold us back from living a holy life. Jesus has done what we couldn't do and what the law couldn't do, and that is conquer sin and give us power over that sin. We weren't saved from sin so that we could run right back to it, though. We're saved from sin so that we could live the way God originally intended us to live, which is in a relationship with him. The reason for being justified and having that new birth experience is so that we can be sanctified and made holy. Right. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Right. To be in the spirit means more than speaking in tongues one time or being spiritual for a couple days a week. Being in the Spirit means letting the Spirit lead and guide you in all the aspects of your life, all the things that you're doing, making sure that we're developing those spiritual disciplines and that we have that spiritual fruit growing in our lives. Being in the Spirit is about how you are all the time, whether it's at church, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether you're just hanging out, it's about how you are all the time. 
If we live in the Spirit, verse 14 says that we will be children of God. And verse 17 tells us that if we're children of God, then we will be heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We will have all the heavenly privileges that come with being a child of God. Verse 17 and 18 make sure to point out that although we're heirs, we will still have to suffer just as Jesus suffered during his time on earth. But the reward in eternity will be more than worth all the suffering. Living in the spirit also means that God will help us even when we don't know we need help or we don't know how to help ourselves. Romans 8, 26, 27 says, Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So even when we don't know what to do, the spirit has our backs. God will always take care of us, right? So I'm going to close with this. If you want to stand, you can. Those who choose to live a sanctified life and remain in Christ will have the assurance of salvation. Romans 8, 35, 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The assurance of salvation doesn't mean that we are once saved, always saved. But it does mean if you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you choose to live the life God wants you to live, there's nothing that will stand between you and him or you and your salvation. Sanctification is about living a holy life, free and separated from sin, and dedicated to God. Not just at church, but everywhere we go. When we choose that life, God will help us. He will empower us to conquer sin and to become closer to him through his spirit that is dwelling in us. Amen? Is anybody thankful for that spirit? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, all that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for justifying us, sanctifying us, Lord, keeping us clean. Through spirit, Lord, that empowers us, Lord. Thank you for always being there, even when we didn't know what to do, Lord. We ask that you would continue to be with us, continue to bless us, continue to move on our behalf, Lord. There's none like you, none beside you, Lord. We ask that you continue to keep your hedge of protection around us as we go throughout our week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So